From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. It features Danny Flecka in his weekly spot on a Monday, December 27th, 2021. Danny, good afternoon. How are we? Good afternoon. I'm good. How are you? I am fine. Um, let's start here. Um, I don't usually talk politics or news on this show, but unfortunately that's where we're at. Um, with uh, the Omicron variant and with um, just the state of the world, we have different testing procedures happening in the NFL versus every other league. And now we have these bowl games and these teams that are flying flying into the city that they're supposed to either be practicing in or playing in um, and running into problems either because of local jurisdiction rules or just because they're taking intake tests um, when, when they get in, into the city. You and I are scheduled to preview the two college football playoff semifinal games this coming Saturday. Will we be talking about those games on Saturday or will there be a forfeit or no contest or a postponement? We got Friday. It's on Friday, right? The thirty first. Yes, it's on Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. I really hope so. <laughs> I think it'd be a major disaster for college football if there are any sort of delays or postponements or even a forfeit of the game. Uh, I think maybe they could postpone it a day. You know, I think you know, depending on the schedule, maybe even have it on Sunday, which I bet that. You know, college football does not want to go up against the NFL, but at the end of the day, you need to figure out how to make those games happen. Having a team reach the national championship by a forfeit just seems just seems silly to me at the end of the day. And yeah. I, I do think that you, you hit the nail on the head that you're asking these teams to go someplace that they are facing different rules, different restrictions, different, you know, waves are happening in different parts of the country. And I guess just the logistical nightmare that we have created for people involved with their daily lives and daily routines has just been an absolute disaster. There has to be some some more sort of blanket coverage of what you can and can't do or a more streamlined way of, of getting procedural stuff done it's just become an absolute nightmare and, and it's not just for sports I'm sure people are dealing with the daily life as well so but my hope is that these games go off without a hitch um, I, I think I'd be more concerned about potentially what happens after from these teams especially given the locale of some of these uh, you know, games um, in, in Texas and Florida, which we have seen have been a little bit more liberal with what it is that they, they have as far as restrictions and rules. So I think the more interesting part might be what comes after, um, not maybe before, because I think before it's a little bit easier to isolate yourself and stay together. I think the after part, you know, after, you know, being in a stadium and around people that you're not usually around, I think that's going to be the more interesting part of this situation. So we'll see. I just really hope that it goes off without a hitch and that we're able to enjoy the games. But, man, college football would really, really be in a sticky situation if they find themselves um, in a spot where they have to postpone or delay the games. 
Yeah, and look, I understand all these forfeit and no contest rules, but there is a stipulation in there, folks, that if three teams can't play the semifinals and one team can, they can name the one team that has enough players to play the national championship on semifinals Sunday. I don't think, Danny, that's how you would like to win a national championship, Um, especially... If you're Cincinnati, that's trying to prove their worth. And Michigan, who's trying to get back to where they feel like they should have been, you know, 85 years ago. Um, or it, it probably feels like 85 years if you're a Michigan fan. Um, so, yeah, weird, weird world we're all functioning in. And um, we're, we're slowly making our, our way through that world. Um, I, I want to talk Boxing Day for a second here. We come out of one of the more famous um, Premier League uh, days and Premier League weekends, and you look at their issues, and they had people proposing a pause. You have some teams that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, some clubs that have been forced to pause. Uh, you got games all over the place. We have talked extensively on this show and in private about how condensed this calendar is because of the off time for the World Cup coming up. The fact that it's going to be in November and December of 2022. Uh, that's probably the last thing a lot of these players and clubs needed, especially players who have designs on playing for a World Cup. Yeah, it's just been a disaster uh, across the board, not just in England, even here. We're seeing a lot of this disorganization and scheduling conflicts. I think we may have brought this up even like a, like a couple of months ago. When they were going into this year, all the leagues should have maybe set up a week where they had a pause to help prevent some of these issues from happening. Um, again, I understand that the calendars the last couple of years have been condensed and everything, but it was going to take two or three years to kind of get back on a normal schedule. And I think if you were, you know, the NBA, the NFL, and, you know, all these other leagues across the world, too, building in maybe a week off in the wintertime or, you know, three months into the season, whatever it is, maybe sort of dividing the season into thirds rather than into a half, you could have maybe buffered yourself for these types of things, right? So in case, you know, the first half of the year, it's getting a little tricky and you're, you're having to move games, well, then you have a week in the second half of the season that you could potentially use to reschedule those games. And then you don't put these athletes in there's certain situations where they're playing two or three games a week, you know, for soccer or, you know, in the NBA, you're going back-to-back nights, and we know how those players complain about that. You know, I saw that comment Giannis made the other day that his COVID break was needed because he needed a break. And, you know, there's just a lot of... A lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of different debates going on about how you should be doing this kind of stuff. But if I were in the league office someplace, I probably would have suggested that. You know, maybe we build in natural weeks off. That way, if we have to reschedule games, we can reschedule them, give some people time off. And, you know, if they're in protocols, whatever it is, they have the opportunity to, to, to go through them without having to miss any time. But, you know, we, we didn't do that. No one, no one suggested that, and I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why money is probably the biggest reason why but you know here we find ourselves to have a uh, you know eventually going to have a backloaded schedule with a lot of stuff going on for these athletes and 
you know, from a, a competitive standpoint, these teams are going to have to figure out the best way to manage their rosters, how to get the best product out there on the field, and, and hopefully it doesn't ruin or deter from any sort of championship runs these, these teams might be looking at, you know, come March and April. Um, Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. And then obviously it goes to the NHL and the Olympics um, and them having to pull out of the Olympics because they need to make up the 60-some-odd games that have been postponed um, during the Olympics. It, it, you know, that's a big, um, a, a big negative for so many who were excited to go to the Olympics and be able to represent um, their country. Um, you want to flip to the actual football that happened on the field yesterday? And Saturday and Thursday? Sure, let's do it. All right. I'm, I'm going to go through the AFC because I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the way the AFC shapes up. Because you have, um, you have one team that has clinched. That is Kansas City. And then you have 12 other teams that are still in the race. Um, the Jets are the leading AFC team that are automatically already eliminated. How glorious. Just kidding. Um, Kansas City is on a roll right now. Is this for real in your mind now? I think so. Just because that defense is playing the way they're playing, I think it's going to be really tough for a team to go into Arrowhead and beat them. Um, you know, you look at some of the games from yesterday, and, you know, we saw a very, very impressive performance by the Bills up here in New England. Um, you know, they came in here, they kind of shut up, I think, a lot of the people that were hating on them. Yep. They were more balanced, they were more physical. They took it to them. We saw that the Patriots, for all the love they were getting the last couple of weeks, you know, when they go up against a physical team and a team that punches them in the mouth, that they're a little susceptible because Mac Jones is still very limited. Um, and they can't play from behind. The Bills did a good job of getting out in front of them. Then you saw this performance Cincinnati had yesterday, too, throwing for 525 yards and just absolutely demolishing a, a very undermanned Baltimore team. Then we get Cincinnati versus Kansas City next Sunday. I think, you know, the Pats, the Bengals right now sit in a spot where they might be the biggest challenger to the Chiefs. Uh, you know, depending on how the Titans and Colts shake out, I think those are two other teams that potentially be a thorn in their side. I think the Colts probably are their biggest threat, to be honest, because I like what, the way the Colts control the line of scrimmage. They have a good raw offensive line, strong running game, um, and a strong defensive line. So I do think the Colts might be one of the biggest threats for them. But at the end of the day, do you trust Carson Wentz and Arrowhead in January to pull off an upset? Because there's eventually going to be plays in that game he has to make. I don't know. But it's going, it's going to be hard, I think, for any team to go into Kansas City right now and beat them. And listen, the Chiefs still have some issues, I think, on offense. They have to figure out. They had a great performance yesterday, but the Steelers did them a lot of favors. I do think the Chiefs need to be, you know, they do need that emergence of a third weapon in the passing game. Uh, and hopefully they find that down the stretch. But with the way that defense has been playing and the way that they, they're coached, it's going to be really hard for a team to, to upset them. Um. Yeah, it seems like they're peaking at the right time, which is a very rare thing 
in this league. Tennessee has been able to withstand the Derrick Henry injury, which I think surprised a lot of people. We have seen in recent years, when it, whether it's Leonard Fournette or others, um, LeGarrette Le, Le Blunt, James White, uh, you can go down the line of running backs that have come in crucial um, as the season has gone on um, and as you end up in playoff time. Uh, James Robinson is going to you know, potentially be a gigantic asset um, for the Colts or, or, or did... I think I have that. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, thank you, Jonathan Taylor. James James Robinson's the Jacksonville uh, running back who got injured yesterday. My my bad. Jonathan Taylor, um, who's just, you know, one heck of a beast. Um, So, is... I, I guess what I'm trying to say is all all these teams seem to have assets, although we'll see where the um, you know Chiefs end up. Um, but for me, is Tennessee legitimate? Is Ryan Tannehill good enough to be able to beat some of these teams that could really work to keep the ball out of his hands? Yeah, I think... Them facing the Chiefs again is probably the thing they want to avoid. I do like them matched up against every other AFC team. You know, with AJ Brown back, I think that's a big thing for them. They need that that weapon in the passing game to open things up for their running game. Their defense has been playing well. Again, they're very well coached. They're not going to beat themselves. They're in every single game they play. So for them, it's more about I think who they match up against. The explosive type of team like Kansas City or Buffalo, um, you know, could give them issues without having Derrick Henry there, because then they'd be able to control the clock a little bit more. But I think against any other team that may may make the playoffs, they would match up very very well with them. So I think it's dependent on on who they go with. You know, Tannehill has had a, a bad year compared to what we've seen from him. I think the absence of Henry has contributed to that. You didn't have. Uh, A.J. Brown for the last four weeks, and Julio Jones has been in and out of the lineup, so he's really has had to work with a bunch of lower depth chart type of players recently at, at the skill positions, but maybe with A.J. Brown back, um, you know, developing that play action, that now, now that becomes a threat. You get lighter boxes, so it's a little bit easier to run. They can open up the middle of the field and get some of those tight ends involved, so I think Tennessee has some of the recipe for success, and if you look at them too, they, they now have had um, you know success in the playoffs too under that coaching staff and with the roster they have there. So you know it could be a dangerous team, but I think the Bills and the and the Chiefs, if they were to play them, would present really difficult matchups for them just because of the explosiveness on offense they have. Um, they'd have to have a really really great defensive performance in those types of games to stay in it. Um, Joe Burrow. And this Bengals squad, um, every time I feel like they're going to make a sustained run, they have a silly loss or a stupid loss, whether it's the Jet game or whatever, and now they've won two straight again. Um, they're They're on the verge of clinching that playoff spot. They may be able to win the AFC North. Um... I, 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 I salute Joe Burrow because he's he's suddenly looking like the, looking like 
the LSU quarterback again, which for those who watch that team, he just looked comfortable and confident with every single throw. Yet you and I both know that in the NFL, there are growing pains when you attempt to go to the playoffs for the first time. So Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up, is Joe Burrow ready for the playoffs? I think it, <laughs> I think it has to be the team around him, right? He has the weapons, three great wide receivers, a solid tight end, and a really good running back. So he has the pieces around him. That defense has played very, very well. I think the thing that concerns me about the Bengals is that you know they, they had a great performance against the Ravens yesterday, but they're depleted, and they beat up on the Ravens the first time they played them, too. Like you said, they're a little bit inconsistent, and when they play some tougher defenses like uh, you know San Francisco, Denver, um, you know they, the Packers, they've had some some trouble moving the ball and getting into it. And I think it's you know my concern would more be with the coach. You know, coach going there for the first time, calling the plays, being patient, understanding the game flow, knowing when to call the shots, not forcing things. I think that's more important uh, for this Bengals team than maybe Joe Burrow because, you know, you said the NFL is in college, but he's been to the highest peak in college. He understands what those types of games mean. And he played in the SEC, so he gets that. Now it's the coaching staff. You know, can they rally around that? Can they call good good offensive plays, can they stay balanced in the running and passing game, uh, you know, not make, not go for stupid, you know, fourth down conversions, maybe take the points, whatever it is, I think I'd be more concerned with that coaching staff than I would be with maybe the players going out there, because they have a lot of talent on offense, they just have to put them in the right places to, to succeed, and there's some games they go away from that, you know, there, there were some games where they maybe try to force feed the ball to Jamar Chase, and you have two other good wide receivers uh, that need the ball as well. And you, you've kind of seen the last couple of weeks that like Tyler Boyd and, and Higgins have stepped up for them. And eventually that's going to, again, open things up for Jamar Chase and let him be explosive down the field too. So they, they got to just make sure they complement each other on the offensive side of the ball. And that defense uh, is very underrated in my opinion. They have a good defensive line. So they could probably compete with a lot of the teams in the AFC. The coaching staff has to make sure that they get to that point. Danny Flecko with us here on Teeing It Up. Let's let's flip conferences. When you woke up yesterday as a Giant fan and saw Adam Schefter's report that Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are coming back next year, most likely, your thoughts were? I mean, I laugh, but I'm not surprised. Um, that, that team is just an absolute disaster. I, I don't... I don't know what it is they can do to really fix them, to be honest. Because I even look at some of these bad teams like Detroit and Jacksonville and uh, Houston, and they're all putting up points, even with a bad team, right? Look at what Houston did yesterday. They've actually got some competent quarterback play from Davis, uh, Davis Mills. Jacksonville. Who's like who? Like, like nobody knows that name. Exactly, exactly. Um, and they're just... And you watch the Giants, and they can't, they can't run block. They can't pass block. They're, they have all these wide receivers that everyone was so high on, and they came to get the ball to them. Their defense is, you know, I feel bad for them because they go out there and they bust their butt every single game, and they do their best to keep the team in it. But when you, you know, you look at that Eagles game yesterday, they weren't going to win that game. It, it just was very simply not going to happen. But if you watch the first half, 
they were all over the field on defense, giving them short field, keeping the Eagles, you know, in three and out situations and getting short fields for their offense, and they were doing nothing with it. And eventually that becomes deflating. Eventually it just gets to a point where you can't do anything more as a defensive team. And, you know, then eventually, you know, the wheels come off and the offense starts turning the ball over and the defense just starts to give up because they know that the game is over. I need to see a very different approach from this team in this offseason. They need some innovative minds in the front office. They need to draft and spend capital on that offensive line big time. They need to get a coordinator in there on offense that is willing to be aggressive, develop what they have there and take advantage of the players that they have on that roster. This isn't a 4-13 and 13 team, really, at the end of the day, when you look at what they have assembled from a payroll perspective. So now they need to go out and execute. And I'll be honest, the last six years, I haven't seen that type of execution from this team. They've made one mistake after another, bad contract after another, and at the end of the day, you know, there, there comes a point in time where maybe the, the only option is to absolutely clean house and get rid of everybody. They're reluctant to do that. They didn't do that back in 2014-15 when they got rid of Coughlin, which they should have. That was a point in time when they should have should have done that. They didn't. And they're kind of paying for their sins right now. But, like anything in sports, all it takes is a couple of different moves here and there. And, you know, we could be singing a different tune this time next year. But they need to be innovative. When I saw that quote that, you know, they're going to have tough conversations with people in that building. What conversations do you have to have? Tell them to get out. Get Gettleman out of there. Why are we waiting for the last week of the season? Just fire his ass now. Start your search ahead of it. And if you have to make other changes, make them. They, gotta be, they need to step out of their comfort zone with this next hire at the GM spot. Otherwise, it is going to be another long year, and we could be looking at a very different Giants team in 2023 if they don't don't understand what they're looking at right now. Um. Yeah, uh, you summed that up, and I don't think there's anything else for me to add uh, when it comes to the Giants. They that they, they their effort in recent games at certain positions has been so befuddling. Uh, to say the least. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a fan of that team on a consistent basis. And, and it's like us Jet fans, you know? Yesterday is like, oh, this is what happens when things come together. Well, yeah, we were playing Jacksonville. That's also why things come uh, come together. Danny Fleck is with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, okay, I want to talk about two specific teams in the NFC, the Rams and the Cardinals. I don't know what to make of the Rams. I don't know what to think of the Rams. And I feel like the Cardinals, they've clinched a playoff spot, but I feel like they're going in the wrong direction. What the heck happened Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people will say that the Cardinals blew it. I don't know. I watched that entire game. I thought Indy was going to win that game. But they got a lot of fortunate bounces, if you look at it. Um, you know, the first was they missed the field goal. Um, Arizona did. They missed two field goals and an extra point. So those are coming from a kicker that usually does not miss either. Prater is usually pretty automatic. He, he's one of the more accurate kickers and reliable kickers in the NFL. And 
you know, they made a, a comment on the broadcast booth that they were out there punter a lot uh, on Saturday, and Colt McCoy held the first two, and then they moved over to to the punter for the holder, and he seemed to be a little bit more comfortable with that, but he still, uh, you know, was a little bit shaky that game. I think from a Cardinal standpoint, is uh, you know all the things that made you successful early with that you know explosive offense and, and an aggressive defense. Their defense, I still think, is pretty good. They're fast at a lot of positions and 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 have a lot of good players. Um, but that offense seems a little bit off right now. You know, they're reluctant, I think, to run Kyler. I think the amount of times you have to in order to make sure that the defense is off balance. The loss of DeAndre Hopkins is huge because you lose that reliable pass catcher on the outside. And I, I think Cliff Kingsbury sometimes is in over his head and makes some really poor decisions offensively. They moved the ball pretty well, I thought, on Saturday. You know, Chase Edmonds had a really good game. Um, Zach Ertz was eating them up as well. And, you know, there's got to be, I think, a little more urgency on the Cardinal side of things to to get more people involved and keep people within the game and utilize the skills of your quarterback. I get it. He's small. You don't want him to take hits. But that threat of him running around is really important for that offense to go because if defenses can sit back a little bit and know he won't rush, then they definitely have the advantage because then you get big defensive linemen in his space and he can't see over them. So I would look for them, you know, especially – this week when they play Dallas, maybe some more design to roll out, some more RPO kind of kind of uh, schemes built in there, and and hopefully you know get the ball moving that way. Um, but you know they're in for a for a battle because they they went from being the number one seed, everybody was was thinking they had this all clinched up, to now potentially being the four seed and playing probably a really tough opponent in the first round. So we'll, we'll see which way it goes for them, and and for the Rams. Uh, you know, Stafford's performance yesterday was really disheartening because they were in, in a good spot against a defense that has been pretty susceptible to the pass. But I think as long as that defense stays healthy and you have Ramsey and Donald out there, the Rams are going to be in a lot of games. And, and you just hope that the moment doesn't become too big for Stafford because he's, he's never really had that type of success. So uh, I do think the Rams are still a pretty dangerous team. Uh but I do think you need Stafford to be firing all cylinders if you want to make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, for all the Brady years in New England, we talked about separation and, and the weeks and the moments that, that would provide separation. And it became abundantly clear for a lot of that run as to where the AFC was going to run through. And as Jim Nance has said multiple times, he basically had a permanent hotel residence in a Providence, Rhode Island area hotel um, because he was there so much during um, that time. As you look at the Packers right now, have they separated themselves? Was Saturday's win good enough for you to say, okay, this team at 12 and 3 is now 1,000% legit and this is what they're going to, you know, this is where the conference is going through in 2021, 2022, I guess 22 at this point? I do think it's going through Lambeau, but I, I have been a little concerned with that defense the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, earlier in the season, they definitely felt like they were playing above and beyond with what we expected from the from the Packers. But you know, their last three games against the Bears, Ravens, and Browns, they haven't really put the game away. 
And I think a lot of that has to do with maybe you're just getting to that point in the season where, you know, it's becoming a bit of a slog and you know that the playoffs are around the corner and you don't want to, you know, overextend yourself. But the Packers defense, I think, is ultimately what will hold them back if they don't get to the Super Bowl this year. They do need to get a little bit healthier on the offensive line, and it looks like that could potentially be the case the next couple of weeks, probably with, you know, Billy Turner and David Bakhtiari coming back. Maybe they can get Jair Alexander back on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but with that defense, you, you need to be a little more consistent this time of year. But the positive is for them is that, you know, the Bucks. The Bucks are undermanned right now. Who knows what their health will be like heading into the playoffs? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about Arizona or LA coming up to Lambo. It's always a tough place for those types of teams to travel to, given you know what they're used to. Their biggest fear could potentially be the Cowboys because um, they have a strong running game and a lot of weapons outside, um, you know, on, on the perimeter that could cause them some issues. Um, and a Trayvon Diggs, Devontae Adams matchup would be, you know, quite entertaining as well. But if you're the Packers, if you can just get a little more consistent on defense with the way Aaron Rodgers plays, the way Devontae Adams helps them control the passing game, and with the, the running of A.J. Dillon um, in addition to Aaron Jones, you have a very well-balanced team. You just got to make sure your defense is just playing a little more consistent. And also, the uh, Michael Parsons running crazy would be fascinating. Trying to hunt down Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's that matchup is really tantalizing uh, to think about. I I know everybody is on Parsons as this next defensive great um, player, and he's been playing great. But I've seen a lot of defensive players try to do that with Aaron Rodgers, and they've all failed miserably. So, yeah. Every time you're on the show, I always ask you a silly question. So if we get Dallas Green Bay sometime in the playoffs, over under um, 10 mentions during the week of the Des Bryant play. Just 10? Just, I, I think every outlet would be writing a story about it. Yes, yes. I am going to go with the over. And I would also say that you are going to get a controversial catch with that game, which will prompt Fox to run a replay of said play. I, I think if that's a matchup, they should just send the CBS crew there and make Tony <laughs> Romo relive a nightmare. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that idea. Uh, Danny Flecka, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, my man. Alrighty, we will talk to you later this week, and um, thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.